Did you know that music can accelerate child brain development and strengthen intellectual, emotional, and motor skills as well as overall literacy? Bringing music into the classroom can help kids explore the mind-body connection and become comfortable with self-expression. Sadly, many children's music programs are lacking in the resources they need to let kids explore this creative space. That's why Osiris is very happy to partner with the Mockingbird Foundation. Founded in 1996, the Mockingbird Foundation is a volunteer-run nonprofit organization dedicated to improving access to music education for America's youth. Each year, the foundation awards grants to dozens of music education programs and funds those grants through a combination of fundraising, publishing, and the curation of Fish.net, one of the earliest internet fan communities. Mockingbird is entirely volunteer with no staff, no salaries, and no office. So every dollar really does make a difference in providing children's music programs with the staffing, instruments, and support they need. The foundation gives over $100,000 to $150,000 every year in grants. To donate or learn more, visit mbird.org. That's M-B-I-R-D dot org. on the pond we want to tell you about another fantastic podcast from osiris media touchdowns all day with john the barber gutwilling this is a fantastic insight into the music and jamming of the disco biscuits from their lead guitarist who breaks down recent jams historical moments recent runs excellent shows the band has played in a really engaging way he brings on his band members he talks to the fans in a really cool way honestly this is like my dream for my for a band to have their lead guitarists or lead singers sit down and break down everything that happened as though it's some sort of like a sporting event it's a really cool idea and it's a really fantastic podcast if you're a fan of the disco biscuits if you're a Disco Biscuits fan and you're not listening to Touchdowns all day, your view of the Disco Biscuits is incomplete. It's really cool. John is a funny guy. He's an insightful guy. He's actually like talking over the jams. So you're actually listening to the jam taking place and he's giving you the play-by-play. So it's basically just a look, a peephole into his brain about what he's thinking about when he's on stage, what the band members are thinking about when they're on stage. And really, if you're a Disco Biscuits fan, I know if you listen to a Fish podcast, you very well may be. This is as essential as it gets. Absolutely. I dig this show. I think that you'll dig this show. I wish that more bands would do shows like this. Go ahead, listen to Touchdowns All Day with John Barber Gutwillig on Osiris Media. And with that, let's go beyond the pond. David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. You are tuned in to episode 92 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is the podcast that's generally speaking, Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish as a means of getting the listener to listen to other bands. These are usually not jam bands because we love Fish. We are Fish fans. Sometimes the problem with Fish fans is they get a bit myopic. They kind of only focus on their only favorite bestest, bestest band and don't realize that there's other bands out there or that they even exist. We're trying to do something about that. And But this pond is big. This pond is wide. We are trying to introduce people to as much new music as possible. So everybody is welcome here. And this episode, it's a bit of a doozy. 
It's a bit of a doozy. If you've been listening to this podcast for the better part of three years now, through 92 episodes plus a bunch of bonus episodes, you know that there's kind of one thing in this world, wives and kids aside, that really gets our attention and our hearts pumping the same way that fish does. And that is the eternal American pastime, the game of baseball. And we've long wanted to combine these two things. We've talked about baseball. It's in our tour recaps. We are on our uh, uh, on all of the outtakes of BTP. There's Dave and I just bitching about where the Cubs and the Mets are at that point in the season. Because to this point, we've never had a successful season for either of our teams while recording this podcast. Um, nope. But this episode... We brought on World Series champion, the Washington Nationals closer, Sean Doolittle, to combine both things. Sean is a huge music fan. His wife is a Big Dead fan and a Big Fish fan. He has become a Big Dead fan and a Big Fish fan. He knows quite a bit about fish. He calls himself a beginner, but he knows quite a bit about fish. He's heard some great shows. He's going to see his first fish show this summer. We wanted to bring him on, talk a bunch about fish, talk about how he got to fish, what his thoughts are from a musical standpoint, as well as talk with him a bunch about baseball, what it's like to win a World Series, what's going on right now with everything happening with the Astros, and a bunch of other stuff. It was a wide-ranging conversation one of my favorite conversations that we've had the privilege of hosting and doing here on this podcast. And I think that if you share our love for both fish and baseball, you're going to get a lot out of this too. Yeah. I mean, me and Brian, both being big baseball fans, we've had Sean on our radar for some time, largely because he's also uh, quite outspoken in terms of his um, very progressive politics, his work with um like LGBTQ groups, his work with veterans. You know, he's always spoken his mind in a way that's uh, very intelligent and left-wing and certainly, uh, like, speaks to us, both as baseball fans and um, I guess you could call us, like, left-leaning individuals. So when we came to find out that in addition to that, he was also really big in the fish and the dead, we thought, wow, we really should try to get him on Beyond the Pond. And uh, fortunately, he seemed into the idea, and he turned out to be extremely nice, extremely knowledgeable, and this was certainly one of the most fun podcasts that I think we've been able to do on Beyond the Pond. Yeah, this was a true pleasure. Sean is a really nice guy. He gave us a bunch of time while he's in the middle of spring training, and we greatly appreciate that. And um, yeah, like I said, if you've got even a passing interest in... um, Everything that we've discussed here in the intro, I think you're going to dig this conversation. And um, without further ado, let's jump in. This is Beyond the Pond Podcast, the Sean Doolittle interview. so much for hanging with us here and taking some time out of spring training how, how are you i'm doing great thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to be here uh talking fish and music and um spring training's going well so far um it's early it's still february but uh we're starting to, to really start to ramp things up you haven't had any like, in-game action yourself yet though right no, not yet. Um, I've been really lucky. The organization has um, kind of put me and a couple of our other uh, relief pitchers on a bit of a, a delayed program because of uh, our workloads last season. Um, I think I ended up setting a career high in, in, in appearances. And with the uh, playoff run going um, all the way to the end of October, it, it made for a much shorter off season. Um, it's definitely a very, a very, very good problem to have yeah. uh, after you win the, after you win the world series. Um, but it's, it, yeah, you know, it's say that's a, 
it's that's a good trade off. Yeah. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it any any year, <laughs> any year. But um, you know, it changes the off season program a little bit. You don't have as much time to recover. And um, I've been getting a lot of work in 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 bullpen sessions and on the backfields. And I I think uh, really really soon here we're getting ready to take the training wheels off and start working in the games. I'm curious. Is that something? Like the shorter off season, the kind of delayed start to the year, is that something that crosses your mind as you move deeper in the playoffs or is that something you don't really think about? You're so focused on the task at hand. No, you're really focused on the task at hand. Um, I, I didn't, I, last year was my first uh, playoff run that the team I was on had advanced past the division series round, the first round of the playoffs. And I didn't realize what a what a grind um both physically and mentally like a deep playoff run like that is because even though you have you do have scheduled off days uh during during the playoffs um so the most you'll play is three games in a row before you have a day off but on those off days you're you're traveling you're flying to you know the other team city or you're flying to play play yeah. the opponent for the next round of the playoffs so um there's real there's very little there's very little breaks and there's very little time to really like stop and and look around which i think was good for us um last year we kind of just put our head down and and stayed focused on what what we had you know right in front of us um but then you 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 don't realize kind of uh what it takes out of you until you get home you know like we had some we had some we celebrated quite a bit um in the week after the world series and then (laughs) you know you go home and and you know my wife and i were thinking about taking a trip and doing like a vacation to to kind of decompress but we were so tired uh, afterwards that all we wanted to do was just was just chill out and relax for a little bit so um it was nice. It, it was um, definitely uh, an incredible experience that still hasn't you know, totally sunk in yet. <laughs> I uh, I can imagine. I um, as a as a Cubs fan over here when we won, even though I didn't play in a single game, obviously, uh, it took a <laughs> good six or seven months to 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 stop and realize what actually had happened. So so I, I can only imagine it's that much more intense on the on the players' level. Yeah, and like I said, like uh, I had never been on a team that advanced out of the first round of the playoffs. I'd I, I'd been a part of two teams in Oakland that well won the. Uh, yeah. won the AL West and I was a part of the the Nationals team in 2017 that won the NL East and um, all in in all three of those series we we lost in game five of the first round and um, so w- once we broke through in the first round of the playoffs last year we, we when we beat the Dodgers that was the first time well any Nationals team um, since the since the franchise had moved back to DC, that was the the first time any nationals team had advanced past the first round of the playoffs. And, um, so we at the time, I mean, we celebrated that thing, like it was the world series and little did we know what we were in for, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, so I think, I think we, we were able to enjoy it enough. We had a really good group of guys that, um, a lot of us were going, almost all of us were going through it for the first time. Um, and, uh, we were just trying to enjoy it as much as we could. Um, even though it, it was a little bit stressful, it's, uh, you know, every night you're playing a must win game and, um, it's, um, but at the same time, like that can help you kind of elevate your performance as well. When you have all those eyes on you, you're playing in sold out stadiums every night. Um, the adrenaline definitely gets pumping and it's, uh, it's, it was an unbelievable experience. I think as a Mets fan, I no longer have the ability to say that the, that the Nationals can't get out of the uh, division series, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's okay. I was actually, I was certainly, certainly pulling for the Nationals. It kind of feels like all the NL East teams that now they sort of feel less, less like arch enemies and more kind of like friendly nemesis in a sense. But I know, I think. Hey, um, the- the Mets had my number last year. They had our number as a oh, team, yeah. but mine specifically individually. So um, we we open up with uh, I think um, like six of our first um, nine games. I think are against the Mets this year. So we yes. got to come out ready to go. 
That's our opening day is at City Field. I want to say March 26th. Yeah. It's it's still going to yeah. be cold outside very much. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's going to be a, a, a quite a wake-up call after spending six weeks in Florida. I think um, as Brian and I had a small vacation. We took uh, to do some podcast stuff in Nashville in October. I think we were at a bar watching one of the Dodgers games at, uh, that uh, Strasburg started. And he was just lights out. Like we couldn't believe how the ball was dropping out of the sky. He's a machine, man. He, he went to he had a he had an sick. incredible season, but he went to another level during the playoffs and ultimately won you know the the, the World Series MVP yeah. award, which was very very well deserved. But um, you know he he was one of the guys. He's you know he he totally took his game to another level, and it was awesome. And um, uh, his uh, his performance in in uh, he pitched a game in 2017 against the Cubs at, at Wrigley Field in the playoffs. That was um, one, one of the best pitched games well. I'd ever seen. And he's uh, he he was uh, he yeah. was lights out out of the bullpen for us last year in the the one game playoff, the wild card game against the Brewers. Um, he he's a beast man in the, in the postseason. Yep. He's he's really has kind of cemented himself as one of the best uh, you know postseason pitchers in the game right now. So. He was he was just next level. It was so cool. That that Strasburg game in 2017, I remember that was such a tightly fought series between the Cubs and the Nationals. It felt like every single game uh, could have gone either way. And um, I actually attended Game Five. I was living in uh, Annapolis, Maryland at the time, and that still holds as the best baseball game I've ever seen. Um, I think even if the Cubs had lost, uh, it was just so down to the wire throughout it. And uh, everything about that series was that incredible. game had so many twists and turns. Um, and, 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 it, and, and, and it was such a uh, such like an, an emotional game, obviously, because it was it was game, game five yeah. of a five game series um, that like after the game, like in the clubhouse, we were kind of like in shock. Like there was like everybody just kind of had this look on their face like what the heck, what the heck, because none of us had ever really been a part of a game like that, that had so many back and no. back and forth momentum swings. And, um, I remember, um, kind of, uh, going home that night and then waking up the next morning, I was reading some stuff in, uh, I was reading some stuff in the paper, like, like a game recap in the, in the Washington post and just having no, I no like recollection of like some of the stuff happening i was like oh my gosh i was like this game could have gone a hundred different directions if if only one of these things had gone a different way so um so much of what happened sorry my dogs are bugging me and i gotta give them dinner right now um so so if that if there's some weird noises in the background you, you guys are getting the behind the scenes spring training experience um but like so so much of what happened in what happens in the playoffs, like you have to catch a break, right? Like you have to be the team that, that right. not only plays really well, but also like catches the catches the bounces that go their way and, and find themselves in in positions where maybe they get maybe they get a call from the umpire that changes the game a little bit or um, then you got to take advantage of those opportunities, obviously. But um, we kind of caught a break like that against the Brewers uh, when we were trailing in the in the bottom yes. of the eighth. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a that's a must win game. And we're down two outs in, in the bottom of the eighth inning. We're down two runs. And we did. Ha we had the bases loaded. But uh, Juan Soto. Um, who uh, is fast becoming one of the best players in, in baseball. He, he gets a base hit to right field and the ball just takes the weirdest hop and gets by the guy and, and all three runs score. And we end up winning. Uh, we end up winning the game on that hit. And afterwards, um, after, after the game, we, we realized like, Oh my gosh, we are finally on the right side of one of these weird bounces of one of these weird outcomes um, yeah. we, we finally caught a break maybe we're like maybe we have like destiny on our side maybe we're the team that has in baseball we call it devil magic maybe we're the team that, that has the, de hmm. the devil magic and when you believe like that that you have some of that momentum you start playing a little bit looser uh, you start playing a little bit more relaxed um, even in some high pressure situations and 
you just kind of feel like it's meant to be on some level. And, and I think we just kind of took that and ran with it. I was actually thinking, um, oh, I don't want to bring up a bad memory, but uh, in the Mets game in August when, uh, like, Todd Frazier, he took you deep. Yeah. I thought that the Mets had some of <laughs> the devil, had some of that devil magic at that point. Hey, that was um, that series was absolutely insane. Um, I have to give Mets fans credit. That was um, a absolute playoff atmosphere uh, in August during the regular season, and, and I remember uh, in the first inning of um, I believe it was a I believe it was a three game series that we played in August and. Um, we had, we were kind of, we were working our way back up the standings and, and the Mets were in the middle of a hot streak themselves. So like there was a lot of hype and anticipation around, um, you know, this division matchup, even though it was the regular season and there were still like two months of baseball left and the place, uh, we came out of the dugout for the beginning of the game and the place was absolutely packed and the fans were into it and i remember sitting in the bullpen in the beginning of the game uh the first game of that series being like there's no way they can the fans are going to keep this up like they're going to tire themselves out they were you know they were they were into it man they were on every pitch and they were they were bringing the energy and um you know after they they kicked our butt the first two games of that series and um that was one of the best atmospheres that we had played in you know even including the playoff run uh, we were able to we were able to salvage the series and get a win uh, in the third game of the series, but um, that was um, that's what I mean. Like they, uh, I said earlier, they they had our number last year. They they swept us in a four game series at City Field in May, um, and uh, so we're <laughs> we haven't forgotten um, about some of those tough losses. So we got to come out of the gate ready to go. There was that one game. I think the series after that where the Nationals put up a seven spot in the ninth inning. I think the final score was like 11 to 10. I think it was Kurt Suzuki hit the big, hit the big keynote of yeah. Edwin Diaz, and you came down from like seven yes. runs down, and that's when we started to say, oh, yes. okay, turn to bats, fair play. That but, was, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was a big win for us as uh, in, in the very beginning of September. Um, we were in a little bit of a lull, um, knowing yeah, I think that it was we the had, first week of September, right? Yeah. And we were like, it's go time. If we're going to make the playoffs, like we, we really got to keep the, the, uh, we really got to keep the pedal to the floor here. And, um, yeah, we were, we found ourselves in a big hole in the, in the bottom of the ninth. And, um, I don't remember the deficit, but, um, I remember, after the game, Suzuki hits a walk-off grand slam, and after the game, I just remembered thinking about how eerily familiar that ninth inning was. Like I could, <laughs> I could very much relate to the Mets pitchers in that situation because mm-hmm. I had a couple of really of really rough blown saves against the Mets earlier in the year. So personally, I felt like a little bit vindicated. I was like, "Thank you." I was like. <laughs> I, I gave I gave Zook a big <laughs> hug. I was like, man, I really appreciated that. <laughs> you needed that. <laughs> I will say, um, with regard to the playoff atmosphere at City Field, you don't become a Mets fan by accident. There's some of uh, the most knowledgeable and dedicated baseball fans I know, and they really they want the team to do well. I mean, I think they're pretty excited for 2020. So it's a lot of good homegrown talent on that team, and I'm very. Excited to see how things shake out. I think I'm um, very much looking forward to the baseball season starting. Almost as much as I'm looking forward to uh, to fish going on tour this summer. So I'll just say that, um, Sean, I know like Brian and I being huge baseball fans, we've kind of, you know, we've been fans of you for a while because of your, um, like, uh, your uh, your progressive politics, which I think... And baseball is something we all need. We definitely need baseball players to take a stand. And I think I heard you um, on Colin McHugh's podcast a year ago. You were talking about you're just starting to dabble into the Grateful Dead. I think like some of the Europe 72 shows. Yeah. And then I saw most recently, I think you tweeted you've been listening to Live Fish. We said, oh, God, we got to get this guy on the podcast. <laughs> so 
just really like start us off telling me how did like the fish fandom come about and what kind of music did you listen to to get you to that point was there like eureka moment you know yeah um so my my musical the the evolution of my musical taste is um it's kind of all over the map um i grew up and um I, i grew up listening to a lot of heavy metal um, I, to this day, uh, Metallica is one of my, my favorite bands. Um, you know, I did play in the East Bay for, for six years when I was with the athletics. Um, and so the, the East Bay, that, that thrash sound that's so, um, native to that scene that, that came out of that area in the early eighties with, with Metallica and, and Exodus and, um, you know, Testament and, and some of these, uh, bands from the East Bay, um, I, you can throw, uh, you can throw machine head in there. I guess they're not technically thrash, but they're one of the, uh, they're one of the iconic bands from that area as well. So, um, that playing there for a long time kind of really, um, I really got into, um, in, into that a lot deeper. And then, you know, from there exploring, um, so many of the different subgenres of metal. Um, I was really into doom metal for a while. Uh, bands, bands like Paul bear, um, mm. and, uh, awesome and band. I, they're, I, great. they're, they're incredible, man. They're absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, just exploring, uh, a lot of the different kinds of metal music. And I've always been somebody I've always, I've always been like, looking like if i find a band that i like i want to find other bands that have sounds that are kind of like those uh or maybe they're they're pushing the the limits of their genre and they're kind of blending some other sounds in i think um i'll just i I go down youtube rabbit holes i go down rabbit holes on on itunes and stuff and um and um like to this day like a couple of my favorite bands uh, are Power Trip. They're a thrash metal band from Texas, and they're uh, it's, Ooh, it's really yeah. fast paced. It's really cool stuff. Um, I've interacted with some of their guys on Twitter. They're they're awesome. Um, and there's a band from uh, from Colorado called Chemist, which has like elements of doom, but they also can can play some up tempo stuff that absolutely shreds. And that those are like my go tos, like after games if I'm working out, maybe um uh like and i still have the adrenaline flowing after my outing and i want to get a workout in uh late at night after a game that's what i go to but i've found um as my career has progressed i've found that um i do so much better when i'm calmer and more Mm. relaxed uh going into a game and um i remember like it, it, in 2017 we we mentioned that series yeah. uh, the playoff series against the cubs and i had i had uh, around that time after i got traded and i came over to washington um i started i started listening to the grateful dead a lot because it it really helped me like just chill out and relax and ha- just mellow out a lot more like throughout the day and leading up to the game. Um, my wife, Erin, um, is a huge deadhead. Um, her family, they're, they're deadheads. Um, she would, when, when she was like growing up, like she, her parents would like take her out of school and like they follow, uh, the dead around and, and go see shows like all over the country. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, she her was, parents real, didn't do that. I she was, why. She, I mean, uh, her, her uh, music is such a big part of, uh, of kind of her upbringing and, and, and her life. Um, the Allman brothers, she's seen the Allman brothers more times than she can count. Um, the, the, the several iterations of the band they've had throughout the years. Um, and, um, um, so like, that's kind of where, like, I, I didn't really listen to the dead that much, but like later in that season, um, I'm feeling the pressure of being the new guy right. on a team that's making a playoff push and, you know, not wanting to be the guy that, that messes this up and, and, uh, you, you know, you're trying to find your niche in the clubhouse. Um, I'm a very introverted person by nature. So like, I'm, I, I, I was trying to like keep a low profile and show everybody that I, I could, I could kind of handle the pressure and, 
mellowing out like that before a game just kind of helped me relax a little bit more. And the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. And I was listening, you know, I started listening to it away from the field too. And, um, you know, just going down rabbit holes, listening to, to shows, live shows and watching, um, some, some old videos on YouTube and really just kind of, um, I'd never really listened to anything like that before. And I was just, I, I was just captured by it. And, um, I mean, to, to this day, I listen to, um, box of rain and, and ramble on rows before every game. Um, I've done mm-hmm. a lot of pitching work. I, I've done a lot of pitching work, um, to ramble on rows because the tempo of the song like fits perfectly with the tempo of what I'm trying to do with my mechanics and my delivery. So like, huh it's really weird. Like, um, I've started to like incorporate a lot of it into, into helping me manage some of that anxiety that comes along with being a relief pitcher, um, pitching in, in high leverage situations when the game's on the line. And, um, it's, it's helped me, it, it helped me stay centered. And, um, you know, from, you know, from the dead, like I, 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 myself, I started listening to a lot of, a lot of Allman brothers. Um, you know, the, the live at Phil Maurice is, is considered to be kind of their, I guess, uh, flagship, their iconic live album. But, um, that's, but uh, more than just their iconic live album. That's probably yeah. one of the best three hours <laughs> in the like Russian civilization that got recorded. Yes. <laughs> but I, I I also I I really like they have a they have a show from um 76 the live album wipe the windows check the oil um that that's my that's my favorite live album my wife gives me a hard time cuz she says <laughs> that that uh it should be filmed live at Phil Maurice but um so that so Allman Brothers start that started to get some heavy rotation and then um you know and then ultimately it it kind of came to a head um, early in the season last year in 2019. So like I, I use, I use Apple music. A lot of people give me a hard time cause I don't use Spotify, but like, I don't know, like, I guess I got roped in with all my other Apple products like early in the process. And I was like, well, I'm paying for it. So like, I might as well, um, you know, you, and, and so fish had always been something that would pop up on the, the for you tab, or like, if you listen to this, you, mm. you might also like this. And, and I was, I, I'd never listened to it before. I'd never heard any of it. And then, um, so like I threw it on and, and I, I just went right to the, uh, uh, on, on, on Apple music. If you, if you search for fish and you go to their songs, um, I think sample in a jar was, was at the top of that. And, and it was the <laughs> studio version. And, and I was, and, um, you know, I, I know now that that's kind of like basic, you learned, uh, you learned quick. Um, well, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's like sacrilegious or if that's like some sort of tell that you're not really like a fish fan that your favorite song is the, is the album version of sample in a jar. But like I came home well, one day and look, I, the and album I was, version of sample in the jar is very well recorded. Hoist is one of the best sounding love, fish albums. Paul Fox is great. Really good production on that album. Hey, I loved it, man. I was, that's what hooked me. And then, and then from there, like farmhouse and, and some of like the more like basic, um, stuff that, that didn't have as much of the improvisation and, and, um, you know, lengthy solo. Like, I, I, I don't know. That's where I started. And like, uh, I came home one day and I think I was singing sample in the jar and my (laughs) wife was like, are you singing fish? And I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, and, and, you know, and then like, I come to find out that she's also seen like dozens of fish shows. Right. Um, of course she has, she's seen every other jam band that was, was good. in in the past, uh, you know, 25 years or whatever. But, um, so from there, like, um, she directed me to a live one and, uh, there it is. that, you know, that I mean, that one, and and I went to um, the Chicago show. I think it was at UIC in '94. Oh yeah, um, six eighteen ninety four. We live in we li- 
Yeah, we live in Chicago during the off season, so like I I got those two like right away because um, I liked the connection to Chicago and I thought the album art was cool. So um, I started there and um, it it got a lot of heavy rotation and in the in uh, like my warm up progression, I have like a like an hour hour and a half maintenance program that I have to do in the weight room every day to kind of keep my body in a good okay. spot over the course of a long season. And, and I, I would throw it on and, and I, I just loved it. It was unlike anything I'd ever heard. Um, you know, and, and I think it's talking to people, like, I think it's kind of a natural progression to end up listening to fish after you've listened to the dead. like, I think there are some similarities there, but like, there's also a lot that's very different. Totally. And, um, like, Extremely, you know, yeah. like, like, the, you know, like the way the dead emphasizes, it's a lot more like folk, I would say, like, mm-hmm. blue, like it has like, it has like bluegrass influences. And obviously Jerry's Jerry had, had the stuff he did with David Grisman and stuff like that. But like, um, I think fish, the funk and the jazz elements, I think are just so cool. And, um, uh, so I, I don't know, I was, I was hooked pretty early on. And then throughout, throughout the season last year, that was one of the the things that really kept me mentally in a good spot. I had a, I had a really kind of roller coaster season and mentally I was, um, I was struggling at times. And when you can, when you have like a constant that you can come back to, that's part of your routine every day. Um, you know, that, that's such a big thing, um, in, in baseball, when you're, when you're talking about the grind of a season, that's, you know, 162 games. So, um, it, it, I, I mean, on a very real level, it sounds kind of corny, but it helps, it helps kind of keep me, keep me relaxed and keep me calm. And, uh, you know, especially during, especially during the, the playoff run. No, it makes total sense. And, uh, um, it's interesting. You said earlier, you know, when, when the break started going for you guys in that game against the Brewers, you thought you had that devil's magic. That's like a similar mindset to what fans look for when they're at a fish show. And that UIC show that you were talking about, that has like devil's magic through and through. Uh, there's a really, I'm not sure if you've come across that there's a really famous interview with Trey from like 2004 where he talks about the version of Divided Sky from that show where during the silent portion, he started just playing air guitar and the crowd started cheering and chanting him on as though he was actually playing the notes. And it was this like moment where he realized he didn't even have to play notes anymore to connect with this large stadium (laughs) of, of, of fans and um yeah that's That's one of those shows that like from start to finish is just uh, a perfect uh encapsulation of what they were doing really well during june 1994 which is a a very much of a peak month for the band that's really cool that's really i haven't i gotta i gotta find that um i remember like i've watched some i've watched some clips of shows and stuff on on youtube um especially like I mean, I, I'm still really early on in, in my fandom. I'm, I'm still for anybody that's listening, I'm still very much learning. So please, um, don't be too harsh. I, I, I'm aware that I'm, I'm, I'm still like beginner level, but I'm, I'm very much committed to exploring, um, all of the different things about fish. And, um, I remember like, um, one weird thing that happened, uh, my wife and I, I was, I was sitting in bed one night after a game and I was like, I was going down a rabbit hole watching like live performances. And and I came across a a performance that fish did. Um, they did a farm aid show in Tinley park, um, right outside Chicago. And, uh, so Neil Young, I believe he was there, but in this clip, he okay. wasn't, um, but I'm knowing Neil Young and his connections. I'm pretty sure he was, um, and that would explain the fact my wife looked over at my screen and was like, Oh my gosh, I was there. And I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, they, wow. they, they, they mm. actually, it might've been a little later than 93. It might've been 94 because they played farmhouse and it was one of the first times they'd played it live. Um, I think it would have been 98. Oh yeah. It might've been later. With Neil yeah. Young. Because that yeah, was on ten three ninety eight, I believe, is when it and yeah, you sh- 
there there is a performance from that set where Neil comes out with them and they play like a 20 minute down by the river that um no way you, you should definitely yeah you should definitely watch out it's it's Trey and Neil for like 10 minutes are just possessed like going back and forth trading riffs it's that's awesome that's awesome yeah my wife my we were listening to Neil Young yesterday my wife loves Neil Young that's really cool there's see like there's so many things like that that I'm that I'm like just finding out about like in these past in this past like year or whatever since I've really started to to listen to their music more and learn more about them like um I think like uh I think it's really cool the way like they'll do a whole, they'll do whole shows that are covers of other bands in that's they do for like Halloween right right they did they like, did one with I'm sorry that's when they did like Remain in Light yeah. I like that's really cool. Um, I caught some of the clips of their of their Madison Square Garden run over New Year's. Um, oh yeah, when when they they brought the clones out and then and Trey got stuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. I yes. thought that I thought that was really cool. I think it's really cool that you can tell like that they genuinely like they have fun when they're performing. Um, sure, I think that's really cool, and um, it seems like the community of of uh, fans. Um, it seems like a really supportive, uh, inclusive space. Like people, you kind of welcome each other. Um, and like, I know like fans of every band can get like a little snobby, right? Cause you want to, you want to flex on sure. like everybody else that you know more. And it's like, I, I know I don't know anything. So like, I just like enjoy like hearing like all of these, um, different stories, um, stuff they do at shows, like where they get the crowd involved, like, where they're like almost like playing games like with the crowd i don't yeah. know like like oh, yeah. they're playing like chess or something like that or Fall like 95 they had a yeah, chess board that was 95 yeah, that's that's yeah. I, I don't know i think that's awesome um and like i said it's all new to me so like that stuff like exploring that stuff has been really cool well i'll say that i very much envy you because I mean, I think I speak for Brian when I say that really the only thing that brings us as much joy as fish is baseball. And kind of what's amazing about fish like baseball is that there are so many rabbit holes to go down. There are statistics. There are years. There are certain vintages. Like with baseball, there's all of these statistics. You can follow certain players and you can follow teams. And really, I mean, for me going to fish shows it's kind of like following my favorite baseball team and that there's a certain air of like familiarity and that each fish show there's going to be two sets each baseball game is going to be nine innings and no matter what you do chances are you could be having a better time seeing fish or baseball more so than anything else that you could be doing that night and it's always going to be good but there's a chance it could be just amazing it could be a baseball game or a show that you're going to tell your kids about and they're going to tell their kids about like just for example um i saw the first mets game after september 11th oh my gosh i got i didn't know that piazza was going to win it on a home run that's the loudest i've ever yelled anything in my life i'm getting chills just talking about it right now yeah i got goosebumps yeah yeah and the very best fish shows can kind of almost get me up to that level so yeah i mean just the fact that i think it's cool that like um and i don't know i don't know if it was um the the run that they had they because they played some shows in philly right at the met um in october last fall um i was that the stretch that they did where they played like four nights in a row and eight, they didn't eight, play eight nights a in a row? They did a fall twice. run and they, the whole run, they didn't repeat a single song. Yeah, that was that tour. See, see, that's incredible to me. And like knowing that, um, like it's each show, like it's going to be good. Like they might play a different, they might play two completely yeah. different sets um in you know consecutive nights or you know over like an eight an eight show run and they're still gonna put on an incredible show like i think that's uh it it says so much about the band um it says so much about you know like their just their catalog that they have that many songs that they can do that in the first place but like one of the things that that you were just talking about when it comes to baseball like 
people say like if you're paying attention to a game like each, even if you watch a team every game over the course of a of an entire season you're going to see something that happened in in this game that you're watching right. that right. you've never seen before and it might be something it might be something really weird like a guy hits a uh, a, a guy hits a ball that like ricochets off the first base bag and he gets like an inside the park home run or it might be like something mm-hmm. that's like a little more subtle um when it comes to um you know, a certain pitch sequence that, that a guy throws or something like that. But like, oh, that, that's what makes baseball. I think like such an in- incredible game is that even though it happens every day, like there are so many things that happen over the course of a season that like, even somebody for me, like I've never seen that before. Like I, I say that like hmm. a lot of times, like over the course of the season, like, Oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever seen that. And it sounds like, um, you know, when it comes to fish shows, like there's, there's always, they always have something up their sleeve. Um, whether it's a new twist, they put on a song that they've played hundreds of times before, or if it's a song that they brought back into their rotation after not playing it live for 10 years. Um, like, like, like stuff like that, that, um, I think that's, that's how you, I don't know that, that I think that's how you keep your fans. I think that's how you grow your fan base. Um, you know, it, it never, it, it keeps it from getting stale. Um, so, and I, I've, you know, in my limited experience of, of listen to the dead, I mean, that's, they did a lot of the same stuff. Um, you know, they might play this, they might've played the same songs in the early seventies, but by the, the, the late seventies, that their sound had evolved and they, right, they sounded right. a lot different. And I think as I've been, as, as I've been exploring fish shows, like, and I'm not good enough to like rattle the shows <laughs> off and the dates off the top of my head, but like, but like, I might like, I might, I'm looking at my phone right now. I have a few shows that are, that are saved on my phone, but like, um, you know, the, um, oh, this one's supposed to be good. The Hampton Winston Salem shows from, from, from 97. Oh, oh, yeah. So, so like, yeah, if, yeah. if you list, if you listen to that and then like I have, uh, there's show, here's a show from uh, January, uh, December 30th, 2015 at Madison Square Garden. Like there's a couple songs on each of those mm-hmm. in each of those shows that are the same, but they sound they sound a lot different. Um, and I, I think I think that's totally. really I had a great that was a bathtub gin show that had the really spacey, excellent second set bathtub gin and like Mike's Week of Pog, I think. Yes. Right. Yes. The the twelve thirty fifteen show yeah that's a uh, so twenty fifteen was kind of um, one of their better years in their in their recent uh, iteration and uh, ended on a very strong note with a that's really show cool like that so I got I have good taste I went on fishnet fish dot net and looked up live shows and so and and like which ones like people recommended you say you're novice this isn't novice stuff well, man I, that's what i this said is... like when i when i when i commit to something like I, I i tend to like get all get like really wrapped up in it and like um yeah you're um so, you blow my mind you're so just like, awesome so like that would be something that i would i questions that i would have for you guys would be like if I'm look if I'm looking to go from like beginner level to like novice level, like what are what are live sh- what are live shows that you recommend? Because there's nothing I like more than just like finding like a show that uh, whether it's on um, like Apple Music or like do you guys know what Nugs.net is? Is that a thing? Sure. So like, oh, yeah. or like, I'll go oh, on yeah. there and like pull up a sh- just a random show, like without really looking too much into like the date or like where it's from, and just putting it on and kind of le- and letting it go, and like I'll just I'll, I'll be in my workout and like there's like inevitably like several points where I like have to look down at my phone and be like, oh my gosh, what song is this? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have? Um... Here's another one for you. Do you have the Relisten app? No, what's that? All right, this is going to blow your mind. Uh, it's a free app. Mm. Um, every single Grateful Dead show that's ever been played, every single Fish show that's ever been played, plus 
30 to 40 other bands. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's on. all it's all audience recordings and so the quality can vary, but okay. there are some very high okay. quality audience recordings and um a lot of Fish fans would tell you that the fall of 1997 where that Hampton Winston Salem box set comes from okay. is their strongest okay. tour ever and the audience recordings from that tour are are some of the best I've ever heard because at that point you just had a lot of tapers that had been on tour with the band for upwards of five to 10 years. They had fully adapted to the arena sound that they were now in this like larger room that they were recording in. And those tapes just really capture the sound of the band mixed with the audience mixed with the size of the room. Um, but I would say download that. That's so it's, cool. It's a free app. It's I just really, did. <laughs> you're good. good. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll rattle off oh, like five so cool. shows for you to look up, and I'll let Dave give. Yeah, I'm gonna write them all well. down. Um, so yeah. if you haven't heard, uh, February twentieth, two thousand and or excuse me, February twentieth, nineteen ninety three, uh, is a really good starting point for when fish started experimenting within their sets on a pretty wild in a pretty wild way um that's the roxy shows those the are roxy like streaming shows. i think yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you should be able to find that also that's an apple music yeah, i think yeah i've seen that one okay. it, it has like 80 songs on it yes because of the second set yeah. they just well the 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 one that's on streaming services is three complete shows but the and the the two shows that sit on either side of it are good are really good. But that two twenty show is that was a giant leap forward for the band. Um, I would say as well. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to interrupt you. I don't want to yeah, interrupt yeah, yeah, your yeah. train of thought. But uh, at those rock at that Roxy show that you're talking about, um, the, in in my in my very very humble opinion here of fish music that's my favorite version of loving cup that they do oh yeah um which Mm. i which i that i've heard that i've heard i have like of all the the shows that i've i've explored so far um and i think that's really cool because i like the um i like what'd you say my my wife uh who is a huge rolling stones fan just stuck her head in the room and said the stones are better um kind of can't go wrong with exile on main street you may have a point yeah, there you know it's uh <laughs> yeah, that's right there there's a there's a really good version of that from this summer when they pl- they happened to play in st louis when the blues won the stanley cup and they played that song as kind of like a tribute to all the blues fans so that's um, awesome it's followed them around through the years yeah that's awesome loving cup like the stanley cup that's awesome that's yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that i feel that that's cool how about from just saying from for historical purposes we're recording mm. this on february 28th of 2020 but on february 28th of 2003 from nassau coliseum that's a show that's also available on streaming services uh yeah 22803 that's an amazing show. That was taken from um, the period of time called Fish 2.0, which is when they hadn't broken up yet, but they were back from their first hiatus. That was okay. um, a fantastic winter tour. That's that's probably a top 25 Fish show. That, that's very much a legendary show. And I would say, I know Brian had mentioned fall 1997, so I think Brian knows her... Um, about to go with this other than fall 97 probably december 1995 that was when fish was the 27 yankees basically yes <laughs> yes i love i love the i love the analogy that, that is my favorite month in in fish history and and literally every show that you could listen to throughout that month is pretty close to perfection and i'd say if you're gonna have to pick three December 1st, 1995 from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is probably my favorite two-set fish show of all time. Um, December 14th, 1995 from Binghamton. And then the New Year's show being um, December 31st, 1995. Probably the best New Year's show fish has played. Extremely complete. 
that was the first time that they ever opened the show would punch you in the eye, and it became one of like the all-time great fish show openers. That's sick. But, that's my favorite. That's, I think yeah, that's my favorite yeah. song. I, I hope that's okay to say. Uh, oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's my. That's on your your new batting glove or your new uh, mitt, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So I I switched um, after last season. Um, my my equipment deal um, with my with my glove company was up, and so I, I ended up switching to uh, Wilson. I now wear Wilson gloves and, uh, I just, I couldn't resist. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to have some fun. I created a, a, a custom glove that was fish themed. Um, so I got, I got a little creative with some of the colors. It's, it's not, I didn't do it in nationals colors. I used like some teals and some, some green, some light, like lime greens and stuff like that. And some yellows. And, um, I have, um, I have Duke of Lizards on one side and, and on the, on the back, on the yes. back of it, it says, uh, punch you in the eye. So, um, I, people see, I, I didn't think of, I didn't know, I wasn't sure how many people were going to get the references, but I had fun kind of designing the glove and, <laughs> and, um, I think it looked, I think it came out really, really cool. So I, I, I enjoyed it, but, uh, I've been surprised with how many people, you know, I'll come over to the, um, to the fans after we're done practice and sign some autographs. And there've been so many people that have, that have, um, seen it and, and, uh, they've, you know, they started talking about fish and stuff like that. So it's been really, really cool, um, to kind of share that with people. And, um, I've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It's fun with, uh, Fish fans love to know that there are uh, fish fans hidden in all aspects of life, be it uh, political journalism to uh, doctors' offices to baseball players. And when we saw when that came online, it uh, it was definitely a big hit in the community. That's so cool. One of one of my favorite moments that happened during the uh, World Series celebration. Um, we had uh, so we we flew home from Houston after Game Seven. We flew home the next morning. We had a day off to kind of uh, really just get our heads wrapped around what we just did, and then we had the we had the parade um, in downtown DC and um, over by uh, we we were on top of these you know, double deck buses like these. Um, I think uh, they call them the big bus. Like the in in some cities, like around the country, like they have these you know double decker tour buses. And um, so we, we yeah. there were like two or three players and their families on on top of each one. And uh, we were we were over by like the staging area, which was like around the corner from the main from the beginning of the main parade route. And but like fans were, I mean, there were there were fans everywhere, and they were they were coming up to the fence, and there's several people deep, and you know, there's so many signs, and um, people are, it, it was crazy. I've never experienced anything like it. But there was one, there was one guy that was just standing there. I'll never forget this, and it was, it, it, I, I had, it was so much fun to see. He had a, a bright yellow sign that just said Fluffhead on it, <laughs> and like. <laughs> Like in this, in this sea of people, in this sea of people. And I think like at that point, like, I, I think I might've tweeted like one thing about fish. Like I, I wasn't like, right. cause I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was qualified enough yet to like talk about it. Sure. So sure. like, I was like, I, I didn't really know that like people knew, but like this guy, he man just standing there with, and it was like a really simple rectangular sign with in black marker. It just said fluffhead. And, um, I was, just, I, I like, I was pointing at him and he saw me and it, I, it was like right at the beginning of the parade, but it was definitely one of the highlights for me. Um, I thought it was, it was really, really cool. And like nobody else on the bus got it. They were like, what is that? Right. Of course. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and like my wife and I are going nuts. We're like, no way. Look at that. That's awesome. And like, we're, t I'm, he's probably like a hundred yards from me, but like, I was like taking pictures, like almost like a selfie like where like i was in the foreground and he was like kind of over my shoulder um, <laughs> but yeah i thought that was i thought that was really cool well if if any of our listeners out there are said uh fluffhead guy uh please please add us and uh i know that i know they'll get a kick out of this that's awesome um yeah that's really cool um i know when we were um 
we're setting up this interview, you said that there's a chance you might actually be getting to see your first fish of the summer. Yeah. So we, we, we got tickets to a show that they're playing. Um, I believe it's, uh, Atlanta. It's, I think it's technically Alpharetta right outside Atlanta in August. Yes. Um, we have, uh, we have a day game. I think it's, we have a 1235 start, uh, against the Braves in Atlanta. And we have, we have the next day off before we start a series at Miami. Um, I think it's a Sunday. Um, I could be wrong about that. I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, August 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's your, so, yeah. I'm, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping we can take care of business against the Braves in in a timely enough fashion that I can buzz <laughs> over and my wife and I, we can catch the show. Um, and then, uh, we'll head to Miami the next day. But, um, you know, that's, that's really far away. And, and in, in baseball, in baseball terms, there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then, yeah. um, you know, so we, um, but that was, I mean, we, we sat down and we kind of combed through our schedule and the, the tour schedule. And, and that was the only one that even kind of, uh, that was the only one that lined up at all. Sure. Um, sure. so, so we're, we, we got our fingers crossed, but, um, if, uh, if, if, you know, if I'm still with the team, you know, who knows right. this is the last year, last year, my contract lefty relievers, who knows, like, you never know. You're always kind of, uh, watching the, the trade deadline news like everybody else. And, um, you don't, you, you never know, but, um, that would be actually be a, a great way to celebrate not getting traded and staying with the nationals. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, and fish, uh, fish sure loves Atlanta and they love, uh, Sunday night fish shows can be something special. There's something about, uh, there's like a historical precedence to the end of the weekend. They just tend to throw down a really great really? show. Yeah, they kind of figure yeah. that Saturday night they're going to get a bunch of, you know, uh, they're going to get like the casual fans that are just going out, um, you know, to party on a Saturday and Sunday night if you're coming. It's, uh, it's, there's some dedication behind that. So they, they, it, it, it's not always true, but there, there have been some fantastic shows, especially in the last 20 years that just happened to fall on a Sunday. And there's kind of a vibe set around that. So you're, you're picking a good show to check out. That's awesome. Yeah, they always say never miss a Sunday show. That's cool. So, yeah, like Brian was saying, Saturdays for the bros, Sundays for the band. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that we haven't seen like some great the, fishes on Saturday night. Right, right. But it's like the it's like the it's like the the Clooney philosophy where he was like, I'm gonna do one movie that I wanna do and then I'll do one movie the studio wants me to yeah. do. So they'll do one show for the for the fans and they'll do one for them where they just jam out and do exactly. whatever they want. Are there any other like fish fans that you know of in major league baseball? I mean, I know, I think Rocco Baldelli fish fan. Yeah, it's like, there's, yeah. there's Rocco Baldelli and who else? I, I don't know. I've never met him before. Um, and, and you know, now that, especially since, um, I've been in the, the national league after I got traded and, and I think this will be his, his third year with the with the twins, maybe on his second, yeah, second year. year, and he's relatively new over there. Um, we haven't crossed paths uh, yet. We did play them last year, but um, I didn't know at the time um, that he was such a big fish fan. Um, but we we really don't see them that much. Um, I do know there there are a couple other guys. I I, I did see uh, one of my old teammates. Uh, Jerry Blevins, who is now with the San Francisco Giants, oh, um, he was with the Mets. Yeah, you might you might remember you might remember him from pitching every single day. Uh, him and his during, big sweeping uh, curveball. <laughs> yes, so Jerry Jerry's one of my good friends. Um, I've known him. Uh, he was on the A's when I first got called up, and um, he's an awesome guy. Um, it, I, I, he helped me a lot uh, early on in my career, and. Um, uh, unbeknownst to me when I tweeted, I tweeted something last year, um, around like the end of December when everybody was posting their, um, like their song history, their music history from 2019. Um, I posted and, and mine was almost exclusively fish and there was a little grateful dead sprinkled in there as well. And, um, he tweeted that he was, he was doing the same thing. Yeah, I guess he'd been listening to some fish last year as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. But, um, 
No, I, I haven't really, there hasn't, I haven't really encountered, um, other guys, um, that are into it, at least not yet. Um, the season's young guys, um, uh, have had a lot of questions about my, my glove and <laughs> what, uh, Duke of lizards, what Duke of lizards means or what it references or like what punch you in the eye is all about. And then I hear myself explaining like the, the lyrics that, you know, are the story to the song Wilson. And I'm just like, I hear myself talking and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can already tell, I can already tell you've kind of zoned out. So I'm, um, <laughs> um, so I, I, no, but, um, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to sneak it on, uh, one of the playlists for the weight room there and just is. see how it goes. Your, your glove is uh, very game henge heavy. Have, have you listened to, one of their shows that uh that where they play game henge in full no what are the what's which which shows are those i gotta get on that all right july 8th 1994 is probably your best bet nice um they they play great woods uh right outside of boston massachusetts and the whole first set is the game henge sagas uh they played it one more time that tour, and they have not since. Um, oh, that's cool! I actually, the other one they played that tour was the Game Boy show. That was June twenty sixth, nineteen ninety four. One set is all of Game Henge, and the other set they play Hoist from start to finish because it had just come out. Yeah, yeah, they played it in full. That's my right. That yeah. album will forever have a special place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that was. Uh, for me, it was Rift that was the studio album that I was introduced to Fish through. So I totally get it. The The first one you have, you're like, you just keep going back to. Yeah. Um, Podcast is part of Osiris Media. It is co-hosted by David Goldstein and Brian Brinkman, and it is edited by Brian Brinkman.